Thank you for joining the Dr. Whisperer. I am your host, Sharon Feckety, and I am happy to bring you a show where we talk about the business of medicine. I hope that you enjoy it. Please feel free to share, subscribe, and pass it on. Enjoy the show. Well, we are back again, part two with my new friend. I will go as far as to say he is my new friend, whether he wants to be or not. His name is- Hey, I, this goes both ways. We're friends. I like it. I like it. Ethan and Kana, who is a healthcare executive, uh, more than a decade of experience with uh, hospital and healthcare administration, uh, now has founded Rocky Mountain Physician Agency, which I love. And actually, uh, that's, I think, Ethan, what I want to start with. I want to start with, we touched on it the last time about, you know, how you're like a like a, a sports agent for doctors. So let, let's just talk about that first, because I, I, want, I want to broaden the horizon of, of what that meant to you so the doctors can understand more what you're trying to do to help them. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked because that really is where the conversation tends to gravitate to about the business because that's where it all started. It started in the throes of getting laid off from this job and then having this idea of, well, why don't doctors have agents like professional athletes do? They both spend 20, 25 years, maybe more in some cases, training to become elite in their sport of choice, in this case, medicine. Mm -hmm. And when they come out, neither of those populations have training or expertise in how much money they should be making, how to negotiate their contracts, or what should be in their contracts for their own benefit. And so I, quite frankly, co-opted the business model from sports agency and have layered it over onto doctors. And so my only job is to help identify opportunities for doctors and then negotiate those opportunities for maximum value the same way a sports agent does. You know what, Ethan? That's very interesting because um, I modeled the Dr. Whisperer after a show called Tabitha Salon Takeover. Get I don't out of here. There's, there's a story. You know that it. show? Sharon, no, there's a story. There's a story. Let's hear it. Out All right. It. Like, this is crazy because I haven't, I think I might've told this story one time. Uh, like oh, I cannot this. wait for this. Let's hear it. <laughs> so there's a show on Bravo called Tabitha Salon Takeover. And there was this beautiful English woman who wore all black, which was, you know, a girl from New York, like myself, I identified with, and she would go into these salons and she would whip them into shape. She would go all right, now your front office person, she's she's not very nice, is she? Why do you think you're going to get any? This is a terrible English accent, by the way. I was thinking it was spot on. For really? Myself. Well, like, we can sounds, say that. We're not. natural. We're not British, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought, and then she would like meet with the sales team and the marketing team, and she would talk about accounting and talk about how there were so many flaws in the business and where they set up shop. And I'm like, that's what, that's what I want to do for doctors. I want to restructure their business and put them on track. So that's so interesting, Ethan. So what were you doing when you had that idea? Were you in a different job, in a different career industry? What were you doing at the time when that came to mind for you? Well, I think I shared this in the first episode with you when you know you had a different name for your business. 
I had a different name for mine. Mine was um, get up and grow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Until I remember this that. big executive said, well, it sounds like you're still in a pediatric office with a growth chart. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, okay, I get that. And it was hard to like, it was hard to verbalize what I was thinking, right? So how was I going to translate the name of the business to what I was going to do mm-hmm. for the doctors? And then I I felt it in the show. I said, well, that is that is it. Like it, it's never a clear picture right away, yeah. you know? But then you see something like a show on Bravo and you're like, oh, there's my business model. Forget that business plan I wrote. (laughs) Let me throw that out the door. That is so cool. And and you're you're so right about kind of the serendipitous nature of how those things come to mind. It's all and that and yet they're so perfect. I can't think of you as anything else other than the doctor whisperer, right? And I I know you wear so many different hats with you're a conglomerate. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, the doctor whisper, of course, in light of the work I do, that is so memorable to me. Oh, and it, as soon as I read your bio, I'm like, absolutely. Like they need an agent. They need somebody to go to bat for them to show them what they're worth, which is amazing that you would have to, right? Like, hello. Yeah. I said this the last time we talked about all the tattoos that you should have, you know, he's got his MBA, he's got more degrees than I know what to do with. (laughs) I'd have them all tattooed all over me. The doctors, I feel the same way. I have one of my clients, he's, um, he's a psychiatrist, but he's also an engineer Wow. and he used to be a professional skier, you know, so there's, it's amazing, right? They're talents, but when it comes down sometimes to business, it's very difficult for them to negotiate for themselves and to go to bat for themselves. And as somebody that loves to do PR for doctors and put them on the platform that they deserve to be on, on the stage or whatever it is, on the show, whatever it is, that's what you do for them in terms of negotiating what their salary should be. And I don't think that they even realize how much more they can be making. You're absolutely right, Sharon. And, and, I often tell doctors, I probably say this at least once a month, I have the same amount of training in medicine as you do in contract and salary negotiation. <laughs> right. So how could you expect yourself to be appropriately equipped to go in with these hospital executives who do this on a weekly basis? And so I, I want for doctors to understand you're expected to be experts at everything, but this is one world where how could you possibly be expected to be an expert? So I don't ever want doctors to feel as though we are taking them out of the process or diminishing their their position in the discussion. But what we do is help them craft their argument in such a way that hospital executives can interpret that in terms of a contract, right? Mm. So what is it you want in your contract? compensation, benefits, your bonuses, things like that. But we help educate doctors first Mm. and foremost. So that way they're equipped when they go in those conversations. And then secondarily for the doctors that need it, we advocate on their behalf for those who recognize that that's just not their skill set. Yeah. And that's such a great point because you know, uh, sharing my, my secrets now as a former administrator, I would know 
I know when the doctor was showing up for their interview, it's like in my mind, I'm like, oh, I can, I'm going to lowball the hell out of you because I'm going to do one thing, right? I'm going to, I'm all I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you what you're looking for. And then I get the same thing. The bot, they get uncomfortable. They start to sit back, they move around and I'm, you know, psychology business a uh, person that's like, uh-huh, so uncomfortable right now. Okay, perfect. Whatever this number is, I have so much flexibility with it. <laughs> and that's you're sad. Spot on. You're that's spot true, on. right, Ethan? You're spot on. And I think that's what helps bring trust with doctors is that they know because we've been on the other side mm-hmm. that not only did we choose to be on this side mm-hmm. but two we have a deep appreciation of how that side of the business works and I think if most doctors were honest with you they would admit um, that they don't understand how the dollar gets from reimbursement to their paycheck they get RVUs Uh, And so you and I I think can help bring clarity and comfort in a place where, frankly, they don't get a lot of information, even when they're, like you said, when they're in that discussion, if a doctor were trained in that, they would know, don't say a number first, let them say a number to you, you know, and you respond to that. Um, But again, those are things that you could never reasonably expect doctors to know, given so much of their energy and focus is dedicated to the sciences. Which is what you want. That's what you want, right? Absolutely. You know, it's funny because to me, it's so simple, right? Like, well, what does the market dictate? And I'll say this often, you know, to my docs. If they're thinking, even if for them, if they're thinking about hiring somebody, they want an administrator and they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to offer them 70K. I'm like, okay, well, you're going to get somebody below average because the market dictates in your demographic that's 85K, right? So you have to, you have to do your research before you go in. And for those, which are most of the physicians, they don't even have time for that. Why wouldn't, this is like, for me, it's a no brainer. I was sharing with you before how I feel about virtual assistants when it comes to medical, with the sponsor for the podcast, I'm talking about them all the time because I believe in it. I really think why, why wouldn't you just let somebody like Ethan handle this for you because this is your strong suit. You understand contracts, you understand negotiation, you understand that if somebody's going to give you an offer, you actually don't ever say yes first. The whole process of negotiation that I don't think these doctors understand how valuable that really is and how that can really dictate, set them up for their success for their future, right? If you don't mind, can I share a little bit about what we chatted about before we went, went live? You, I asked you a question about your business and growth and some of the decisions that you had made. And, and after we chatted through that, you said, I'm surprised that you asked that. Not many people ask questions like that. And I think in my experience working with doctors, they are so accustomed to being the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to ask for help especially from non-doctors, right? Mm-hmm. It's easy maybe to ask an attending or a, you know, a senior physician um, because you, that's how they're trained and conditioned. It's a lot harder to ask for help to non-doctors because you're the expert and you've always been the expert. And I often say doctors are good negotiators. They negotiate, my doctors negotiate with me to 
take my blood pressure medication or get more potassium and, or do things that I might not prefer to do um, for the benefit of my health. However, that negotiation skill doesn't necessarily seem to translate to the business side where if you look at any of the education that I do, any of the graphics I have out there, Sharon, I say exactly what you said. Get the data first. Know what the range is first for your market skill set, specialty, and, and geography. But that's if you so that it, that's the first step. And and you know, you couldn't have teed it up any better. But I, I often share with doctors, they are good negotiators because they have to negotiate with patients to do things they don't want to do all the time. Mm. That skill set maybe doesn't hold up as well when we're talking about salaries because now the carrot and the stick or the negotiation strategy is different the data who you're negotiating with is different their incentives are different and so as long as doctors can do start with what you said which is know what salary range get the data medscape right. proximity merit hawkins mgma get the data first before you go into those discussions so you at least have a working knowledge of what the salary range for someone like you should be. And you're so right. Like, don't come in saying, my doctor friend told me that. <laughs> I know, oh, I, like for all of my my Latin friends that say, oh, bendito, no. <laughs> but the thing no. is, that's not a joke, Sharon. That's right. real. That's it is real. real. Mm -hmm. It's so real. It's so real. Like, it's the first thing that pops to my mind because I've heard that so much. I've heard that when people negotiate with me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my doctor friend said they got a consultant for it. I'm like, well, I don't give a shit actually <laughs> who your doctor friend is. And you're a surgeon and you're talking to a pediatrician. We're literally talking about <laughs> two different worlds here, bro. Oh, I love it. I love it. But we're in this, we're in this game for one reason only, both of us. And that is to be that bodyguard. And that is to help. And that is to it's it's fascinating to me, Ethan. I'm sure it is to too that I look at my doctors like with such awe, like, wow, mm. you don't even know. You don't even know how amazing you are. Right? Can don't I tell you, you feel that? Story? Yes. <laughs> when I my first year in the business, I brought on a group of OBGYNs, all women, and frankly, they are some of the most impressive women that I know, hands down. Um, I was on a call with one of the six doctors one afternoon. We were talking about um, some of her preferences in the contract that she wanted me to address. And she said, oh, hey, hang on. My patient's getting ready to deliver. I'll call you right back. And <laughs> she, she calls me back 45 minutes later and said, hey, so where were we? And I said, so you just delivered a a human baby right. as if, right. as if you just went to like run your, I was completely in awe. Yeah. Karen. And that's just one of so many examples, but it just crystallized mm -hmm. to me how much admiration I have for physicians oh, and the totally. work they do. And so it's really easy for me to brag about them and advocate for them because nice. I just admire admire them so much I have a story I want to hear it <laughs> just yesterday I'm driving home from a meeting 
And one of my absolute favorite um, robotic female surgeons calls me and she's like, Hey, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the neighborhood. Any chance, you know, uh, you're free because I just, I was just doing a case and I have some time. I was like, yeah, come on down, come to my office. And then we're having a cut. Now she's coming to my office. Just the fact that she's coming to my office. I'm like, take a time out of her day. Yep. Yep. You're a, you're a robotic surgeon. You're going to come see me. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Come on down. Let me tell you where to park. And then, you know, we're having this conversation and she said, and I told her this after she said it, like I had a pause. We were just having a little girl chat and she's like, you know, Sharon, you and me, like, we really, we're a lot alike. I was like, what? Hold on. Can I record that? (laughs) Because I want everybody, I want everybody in my life to know that I'm a lot like you, you robotic beautiful woman surgeon badass that you are how cool is that though right it Beyond. Is- are you still running your medical practice like it's 1990 well what about reva global medical virtual assistance a medical virtual assistant i promise you is the way to run your medical practice today why because you can save i don't know thousands of dollars no more paying for health insurance no more worrying about office space You also have trained professionals. These wonderful human beings get trained and they have a client service manager that makes sure that your VA, that you're working with for your practice is hitting all the goals that you need to make sure that your practice is run efficiently and friendly. Check out Reva Global Medical Virtual Assistance today. Are you tired of the one-on-one grind? You want to break free from the brick and mortar practice and work from anywhere? Ready to impact more lives, work less, all while making more money? Sound too good to be true? It's not. You can actually learn how to do all of this and more at the first annual In This Together live event that's happening in Orlando, Florida on February 20th to the 22nd, 2023. Join your host, Dr. Kylie Burton, and other world-class speakers for an event unlike any other you've attended. And it's for practitioners only. These tickets will sell out, so grab yours quickly. We will provide the link to this event in the show notes. Click. We interrupt this awesome podcast to share with you about our sponsor, Thai Technology. Thai Technology was founded with the thought that every customer deserves exceptional customer services. So if you know of any company that has a phone system where the auto attendant doesn't really sound good, you press one and you think you're going to go to a live person, but you end up with a broken recording, it's probably time that you call Thai Technology. And if you mention this podcast, you will get the first three months for free. So make sure you mention the Dr. Whisper podcast show. Check them out. Like there's no end to just kind of how grateful I feel to get to support doctors. And mm-hmm. my partner will tell you that when I get off of phone calls, even if it was a phone call that wasn't great, I will usually whisper to myself, man, I love my job. And I'm, I mean that, like, that's yes, not I know. embellishment. Like, mm-hmm. I love my job because one, it's a good fit with my skill set and things I like to do, background, blah, blah, blah. 
but more importantly, the people I get to do it for, yes. you know, and that story about her getting off the phone to deliver a child, it's just, again, one of a hundred where just like, how, how is that real life for you? Right. You just hop <laughs> off the phone and go deliver a baby. What are you, what are you talking about? I, when, and when I'm with a doctor and they say, oh, excuse me, I got to take this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you take whatever you want because that phone call is probably like a patient that needs a prescription, like something like really actually important because the phone call I'm getting from my husband about dinner mm-hmm. is not anything compared mm-hmm. to the phone call that you're getting right now, my friend. Yeah, they don't even know, Ethan. I mean, I think they do, you know, to some extent, but I think one of the gifts that you and I share is that we do have an admiration. And I do think the best thing that happened to me in my years of, you know, being director of operations for a big multi-specialty company with all, you know, neurosurgeons to internal med docs. And I got to see who they were when they were done with the patient before the patient, you know, when they had to go to a funeral, you know, um, and then switching to pediatrics. And, and when they asked me if I wanted to come with them to see the babies and to see what they do, like, I wasn't on to cry. I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then to see that, like, that's why I'm such a bodyguard because I know what they are doing to save somebody's life. <laughs> Ethan, we're smart. Like we, we're good in business, but me and you probably, well, I'll speak for myself. I can't even change a light bulb. Throw me right in there with you. <laughs> if, if I tighten a screw, I'm looking at myself like Bob Vila. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. And it is like, I always tell them, like there really are experts in everything. And unfortunately, a lot of physicians get taken advantage of. So the fact that you've been in the industry for a long time, that your mother is an amazing um, anesthesiologist and you've been around that your whole life. My parents both working in hospitals and hearing the stories and and having this real respect um, is just, well, it's a wonderful thing to have somebody like you on their side because you, you realize more than they realize what they're worth. Yeah. And I I think I realized that just in specific terms of compensation, right? Because Mm -hmm. I know what the market is for a physician of a certain specialty and how busy they are in a certain region. But I think the, the piece that we often gloss over is like their hourly rate, right? How much they make per hour. And when you think about that female surgeon who spent that time with you, that's valuable, valuable time, which is why Dr. Joe is so protective of that time. And so it just speaks volumes about the trust that they have in you, that they spend, not only do they spend it with you, but they seek you out to spend that time with you. And, and that's why I never take it for granted when a doctor takes time out of their day for a phone call or says they want to go grab a beverage or something like that. Just, uh, yeah, you just, you definitely feel as though you're, you're on the right side of things. Yeah. And they're like, you know, so many people have said to me that, um, 
It's unfortunate, you know, the doctors aren't good in business. I always say the same thing, like, well, thank God, you know, because, right, man, if I have a broken arm, I don't want you to talk to me about, you know, um, the square foot of whatever, you know, I don't want you to get out a spreadsheet of any kind. I want you to actually fix my arm. Exactly. Right. And so, but they all, they have to trust the experts as well. And, um, and that doesn't always come very easily. You know, I think, um, there's a lot of fear that's put in. Well, I've had these conversations with doctors, a lot of fear put into them when they're in medical school. There's a lot of, um, you have to position yourself in this hierarchy, right? I remember the first time a doctor, and this goes back to what we were talking about before. Um, I remember the first time a doctor shared that he was taught to always, always act like he knows the answer, even if he doesn't. And that's literally like what he was taught by his professors in school. That's not all of them, right? But I know that that's a a large majority. So going back to your point before about sometimes it is just so massively difficult for them to ask the question because they've been taught to act like the expert, even in a realm that they don't know at all. You're spot on. And as, as you were talking, you know, the word that stuck out to me was fear. And I don't know that any of us would use the word fearful to describe doctors, Mm -hmm. but there are two specific contexts where I see that drive decisions and specifically lack of inaction. First, first time physicians, first time attendings coming out of training, they often feel as though they don't have any leverage. They don't have any value. They're just a cost. Mm-hmm. And so out of fear, they say they end up taking a deal that they're not happy with because they don't know if there's going to be another. Right. And then the fear for the attendings from anywhere from first year all the way to retirement is mm-hmm. what if there's not something better than this? Right. And it breaks my heart, Sharon, not too long ago, and I don't mind sharing this story, but not too long ago, I had a doctor who's getting ready to sign his last deal of his career. And as we were getting ready to know, getting to know one another, what part of our due diligence is understanding how much the doctor makes, what's in their current contract. And I had this doctor in a reasonably high paying region of the country was signing a deal for $20,000 less than my first time attending physician that I was negotiating a deal for. Mm, yeah. And so to, to tell, I'm not a financial advisor, financial planner, but I can tell you that if you're making as much as a first time attending physician, you're gonna have a hard time getting to retirement at the time that you'd like, which mm-hmm. was part of the reason that he ended up hiring me. And what broke my heart the most is I had an intellectual appreciation for the fact that no matter how good a deal I get him, it's not going to make up for the last 30 years. Yeah. So true. And, and that fear of, is there something else? Can, mm. What Will they fire me if I speak up and ask for a raise? And so I always encourage doctors anywhere from your third year in all the way to retirement, you should be identifying opportunities out there, doing a quick price check just to figure out if the deal that you signed still aligns with what the market is today. 
because again, like there's no deeper sadness for me when I know that it's too late. Like there's no matter how much help we get, no matter how much we increase their base salary, that they're not going to make up for being underpaid for the past couple of decades. Oh, yes, that is a, that is a sore spot. You know, now that I am removed from being in the running of the practices for so long, um, I remember having conversations towards the end of uh, running the last practice with the, the staff members that I knew were underpaid, that I knew um, deserved a lot more, but had stayed in these positions for so long. So I would start telling them, you know, um, if you think that somebody is going to come running after you with a bag of money, please take note. The <laughs> only way you are ever going to make that money is to ask for it. Yeah. But there are so many people, and especially I've never seen it more paramount than in the healthcare industry that stay because they do they there's so much longevity my father was at new york hospital for 44 years wow (laughs) that was his only job in america he moved from ireland he came to new york he worked at new york hospital and that was it and that's where he retired fascinating yeah he got a frisbee when he retired (laughs) thank you for your service thank you so it's um and, you know, not to say he didn't have a great position, but there is that mentality of like, there isn't anything out there that's better or, and I always encourage people, I say, listen, you want to feel good about yourself? Go on an interview. Yes. Yes. That's Just great say, advice. Great advice. Out there. I love that. If I want to feel good about myself, I think I should go on an interview, <laughs> but I, I feel like pretty it. damn good today. Good. You deserve that. (laughs) You know, as you um, were mentioning, again, I'm spilling all the tea from our pre, um, our pre-show chat. As you were talking to me about your transition into the work you do now, one of the things that I'm just so curious to know is, do you miss being in the practice management world? Really? No. Not at all. Okay. But, but you, when you were in it, you enjoyed it, right? Oh my God. I loved every minute of it. I would have never stayed as long as I did unless I loved it. And I've always told people that, that I was helping, you know, cause I was the boss, right? So the nurses, the doctors, you know, if you're not happy, you should not be here. Don't, you know, let me be the first to free up your future. You know, you should not Mm. be here. You should really think that this might doesn't have to be the end all for you. Uh, I definitely loved what I was doing. And as soon as I started to feel boredom, really, (laughs) it's not that it was a boring job. It was a very busy, busy place. You know, Mm. I built a night division. I was bored. And that is the truth. Like I was like, oh, I think I'll build a night division. Let's make them more money. But I want because I wanted I wanted them to grow so much, but they were okay where they were. So when you realize that, you know, you have to go, I was like, well, I I have to go because I don't want to force you guys to open up 22 more locations, which, you know, you're happy with two, (laughs) you know, it's, um, it's a, a special, a special job in, inside the medical world. It's, um, you have to have great people. You have to have a great team, you know? 
but I, I loved it while I did it. And now I couldn't even imagine ever doing it. I can't even believe I did it as long as I did. That is so fascinating. And I feel like part of what caught my attention is I spent my entire career working in hospitals. And I know that I said at various points, I can't imagine not working in a hospital. And similar to you, now I can't imagine not doing what I do today. Right. Like, such, can you so imagine going back, Ethan? No, I oh, I cannot. I cannot imagine. <laughs> I, especially with the lifestyle that I get now, yeah. you know, just like control of time and not having to deal with HR issues and all that. I, yeah, I couldn't be happier right now. Right. I mean, it is a different, it's a different life once you, and you brought up fear before and it is, you have to be willing to step out in faith to have something great happen. So it's the same for these doctors when I think about how much time they spent in school, all those nights studying, all of the the fear that they had, all of the, I'm not good enough, all those times that they had to spend three nights in a row at the hospital and, and time away from their families and missing trips, all of that, like to think that they wouldn't go for it like the top of the top. And when you shared that story in the last podcast, if you didn't listen to it, I highly recommend that you do. And, and you got that group of women, you know, more money. You you asked for, you were like, I'm going to throw that number out there and hope for the best. And they <laughs> said, yes. You know, they said yes, because you knew their worth. Yeah. And now they're making what they're worth. And that is a beautiful thing. You're absolutely right. And it reminds me of when I started the business, uh, it was on the heels of getting laid off and I just felt miserable about myself, but it was a, an experience that helped desensitize me to failure, mm. right? Once, once I got laid off, like, all right, it doesn't get much lower than this. So I might right. as well do something for myself. And it kind of reminds me of how like baby birds, learn to fly. And at some point, mama bird, in order for them to fly, she kicks them out of the nest. Yeah. And then it's, then you have to fly. And I kind of feel like that's what it takes for some doctors is you're going to have to step out. Like you said, step out in faith and step out in a little bit of fear yes. and know that there's better on the other side and you can fly, but you're going to have to fall out of the nest first. And that's uncomfortable. Right. It is definitely not a strong suit of the physicians to change. Yeah. Just yeah. to change, right? You know, it's easier to stay. I'm sure you've seen this. It's easier to stay in uncomfortable, even toxicity, than to leave what you've only known as comfortable. A very wise, a very wise hospital executive here in Denver by the name of Robin Levy told me. Sometimes with doctors, inertia rules the day. Mm. And I rely on that and reference that so often mm. because it's so much easier just to keep things the way they are, not upset the apple cart, not make any major changes. And I can empathize with that. Me too. I can, I can empathize with that. And I can also appreciate the benefits that come of that come with going through that valley before the, the benefit, going through that change. Uh, yeah, it's hard. It's, it's uncomfortable and it's worth it. Mm, it is worth it. So doctors, 
if you're listening, you are worth it. You got two big fans right here on a show, uh, knowing that uh, you should always reach for it. And I think that with with an expert like Ethan to to help you get what you deserve is um is just a smart move. Just a smart move. I I've told many doctors that one of the smartest things they ever did was to hire me. Oh, I, I like a, that. I don't have a problem. I like one that. of the smartest things that they ever <laughs> did was to hire Ethan. Oh, you know, let's save you 25 years of regret right now, you yeah. know, but that takes some faith. So, uh, so I'm also going to encourage everybody to, you know, head on over to the broken road to mental health. Soon you're going to see Ethan on my other show, because we are going to talk about mental health in the workplace. And I am so looking forward to that, Ethan. Me too. Me yes. too. Me too. All right. Well, listen, everybody, thank you for tuning in. And uh, Ethan, I'm quite sure this will not be the last time you're on the show because I think you are too valuable not to have uh, encouraging these physicians to go for what they are worth, especially our women doctors. I'm going to put a plug in for us to have a podcast called The Bodyguards. That's going to be that's going to be our and we're just going to talk about how we protect doctors and how they can stay out of trouble. Let's do it. I told Ethan on there, I said, the fact that you are not a podcast host is not making you happy. So let's. I need on. to be behind a strong woman like you, Sharon. I don't want to be out front. I don't next to, next to, just like we are right now. Next to, we walk together. All Love right, it. everybody. Thank you for joining. Thanks, Sharon. So if you want to party like it's 1999, but run your medical practice like it's 2022, don't forget to check out Reba Global Medical Virtual Assistance. Don't forget to grab your tickets to the first annual In This Together live event in Orlando, Florida, happening on February 20th to the 22nd, 2023, with your host, Dr. Kylie Burton. Grab your tickets now, link in show notes. So don't forget, if you mention that you've seen the show or listened to it on the podcast, mention Thai Technology and you will get three months for free.